Welcome to the Bochetti Panama HBC Weekly Podcast. Listen along as Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, reads to us out of God's Word. Stop by Hillside Baptist Chapel every Sunday morning at 9.30 and or 11. Two services is now available every Sunday morning until a larger facility is acquired. We're going to be talking about Caleb next week and him getting his inheritance. But today, we're going to be looking at how Israel went to get the rest of the inheritance God had given them. We're beginning with verse 6 in our scripture reading this morning, Joshua chapter 10. So if you would turn with me there. And we'll be reading verses 6 through 14. It says, Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal. Now let me stop for just a moment because I need to give you a little bit of background to what's happened here. Five kings of the Amorites have joined together, have banded together. They've made one army to fight against Gibeon and then, of course, eventually the Israelites. They had found out about Gibeon making a treaty with the Israelites and they were upset. They were not happy. And so they knew that if they attacked Gibeon, Israel would come and fight against them. And so their plan was to defeat them there at Gibeon. It says, don't abandon your servants. Come quickly and save us. Help us for all the Amorite kings living in the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua and the whole military force, including all the fighting men, came from Gilgal. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. So Joshua caught them by surprise after marching all night from Gilgal. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel. He defeated them in a great slaughter at Gibeon, chasing them through the ascent of Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azak Malkadah. As they fled before Israel, the Lord threw large hailstones on them from the sky along the descent of Beth Haran, all the way to and they died. More of them died from the hail than from the Israelites killing them with a sword. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to the Israelites, Joshua spoke to the Lord in the presence of Israel. Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and moon over the valley of Ast. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped until the nation took vengeance on its enemies. Isn't this written in the book of Jashar? So the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed its setting almost a full day. 
There has been no day like it before or since then when the Lord listened to the voice of a man because the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua and all Israel with him returned to the camp at Gilgal. Our Father, as we come before you this morning, we're so thankful for your blessings. Thank you for each one that's here today. Help us as we worship, that we truly might worship in spirit and in truth. And I pray that we would have the same type courage and the same type victory that you gave to Joshua and the Israelites as they fought for the land that you gave them. Help us today to see the victories ahead for us in our day and time and the things that you're giving us to do. And I pray your blessings on each one. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sandy? of crimson God wrote his love on a hillside so long long ago for you and for me Jesus dies and loves Greatest story was told. I love you. I love you. That's what Calvary I love you. 
makes me white as But the blood of Jesus, I love you, I love you, that's what Calvary said, I love held out his arms and said I love you this much how much do you love me thank you Jesus thank you Sandy beautiful job you know as we think about this passage of scripture there's really a lesson in here for us lesson for the day of battle the title of my message. I mentioned that these five Canaanite kings, Amorites, had joined together. And this really played into Israel's hand. Of course, it was God's doing, wasn't it? But instead of fighting five different battles in five different places... They were able to fight one battle and have victory over five different kingdoms. The Amorites had become very angry with the Gibeonites because they had made this treaty with Israel. And <clears throat> so that was one reason that they came up to Gibeon to fight against them. But they also knew that there was a treaty between the Israelites and the Gibeonites and that if they came and fought against them, Israel would come and rescue them or try to. Now, the Amorites thought that by coming to Gibeon and massing all of their great army here, it was a large army, that they would be able to gain the victory very quickly and do away with this Israelite nuisance that was coming into their land. Notice what Psalm 46 verse 1 tells us. He says, I will be with you when you pass through the waters, and when you pass through the rivers. They will not over overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flames will not burn you. You see, God was promising the Israelites and Joshua that He was going to be with them and He was going to give them victory over their enemies, ever how large it was. 
Now, I'm sure that some of the Israelites, as they looked and they saw all of this mass of humanity gathered together and there in Gilgal, some of them were probably afraid. I would have probably been. But the Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. Not one of them will be able to stand against you. Now, of course, the Lord knew some things that Joshua didn't know. And he was going to do some things that Joshua had no idea that God was going to do. But we see that Joshua obeyed the Lord. And he entered into battle with these five kings. Now, he had the advantage of surprise, didn't he? Because he marched all night from Gilgal to Gibeon and the Amorites were surprised they didn't expect him to come that quickly. And here they were probably still in their tents that night as Joshua came and began the battle. But the Lord tells us that He'll be with us as we do what He asks us to do. There's no question about God telling Israel what to do. God had given this land to them and He told them specifically to go and fight against them. And the promise of the Lord is ours. Joshua chapters 10 and 11 is to remind us that our lives will be filled with battles as well. In fact, there's not a day that goes by that Satan does not tempt us to do something that we shouldn't do. There's not a day that goes by that we're not supposed to be engaged in battle. We need to have on the whole armor of God that we might stand against the wiles of the devil. Notice what Ephesians 6.12 says, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world's powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. Now sometimes as we engage in the battle that God has for us, it's manifested in human form. Sometimes it's human beings that are fighting against God and going against the things that God would have in our lives and the things that we need to be doing. But we need to keep in mind that the battle is against Satan. It's not against humans. And if our battle is a spiritual battle, then our weapons need to be of a spiritual nature as well. Am I right? In 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says, The weapons of our warfare are not worldly, but are powerful through God, for the demolition of strongholds. You see, 
what God gives us to fight with, and, and we're not going to take time this morning to go over the whole list of armament that God has for us. But I might mention today that all of them are offensive weapons except one. But we're to put on the whole arm of God that we might stand. And as you read in chapter 6 there, we need to keep in mind the number of times it tells us to stand. That's our responsibility. We have to stand. You see, the Israelites would have not won the battle had they not engaged the enemy, had they not stood up against the enemy, had they not marched to Gibeon. But they did, didn't they? They didn't stay in Gilgal. It was safe there, evidently. None of the enemies, I don't think, would have come and attacked the Israelites there. But the Gibeonites were in danger, and they had made that treaty with them. Regardless of whether they should have or not, they did, didn't they? And that treaty called for them to come and defend them, to rescue them. We have lessons for the day of battle that we need to pay attention to in our day and time, just like Joshua did in his day. We have a lesson here about the Savior. Notice, if you will, verse 6. Then the men of Gibeon sent word to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal, Don't abandon your servants. Come quickly and save us. Israel was the Gibeonites' savior, if you will. As they prepared for battle, the Lord came along with them, didn't he? Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe the Lord was going before them and they were following the Lord and doing the things that God was asking them to do ahead of them. This verse tells us about Israel's willingness to go and fight. But it also shows us their dependence on the Lord. It says, so Joshua and the whole military force, including all the fighting men, came from Gilgal. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them, for I have handed them over to you. Regardless of how large the battle, how large the enemy, how frightening it may have looked, God said, don't be afraid of them. A lot of times I think as we think about what God wants us to do, we can see the battle as being much more than what we can do. It's never going to roll over and play dead. 
he is going to be a formidable enemy. We could talk about Satan and his powers, and his ability, and what he's done in the past and what he's going to do in the future. He thought that he could stand up against God and he could exalt his throne equal with that of God's. How powerful is God? He thought he could match him. A lot of pride in Lucifer. A lot of thought went into what he was going to do. You see, he was one of the most powerful angels God had ever created. And he thought he could do more than what he was able to do. But what I'm saying is our enemy is powerful. He is. And if we went to fight him in our own strength, in our own might, we would fail. But we need to understand that our God is greater. Our God is able to win the battle. And we can depend on Him. And He will go before us. We don't have to stand alone. Notice He tells us that He will grant us peace in the midst of the battle. He's not talking about peace before the battle. And he's not talking about peace after the battle. He's talking about in the midst of what he calls us to do. He will give us peace. Philippians 4 verses 6 and 7 says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's God's peace. And that's something that only God is able to do. We're not gaining that on our own. John 14 verse 27 says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Your heart must not be troubled or fearful. The secret to walking in peace is to walk in faith. The Lord didn't save us for us to be agitated, worried, and filled with fear. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Now, all of this has to do with our relationship with God, doesn't it? And when the day of battle comes, the Lord will give us peace as we allow Him to lead us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not rely on your own understanding. Think about Him in all your ways, and He will guide uh, you on the right path. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Gives us the victory. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. As we come back to the fighting that Joshua had to do, notice in these verses it says that he will give them victory. But it didn't say that they didn't have to fight. It didn't say that they didn't have to go into battle. Now, we know what God did later. But remember the Israelites had come to Gibeon and confronted the enemy in surprise and they were all confused and they began to flee. And the Israelites chased after them. The Israelites had to engage them in battle. Now, God rained hail from heaven, didn't he? But it was as they were fleeing, not prior to them being engaged in battle with the Israelites. I don't know whether you have thought about this or not, but God killed more with the hailstones than what the Israelites killed with the sword. Did you notice that? And notice that it doesn't say anything about the Israelites having to worry about the hailstones. Now, it doesn't say that hail didn't fall on Israel, but I would say this, it probably wasn't as great a hail... <laughs> as fell on the enemy. We have <clears throat> been able to see in our day and time some large hail. Hailstones weighing 1.7 pounds fell in Kansas in 1970. 1.7 pounds. That's a pretty good chunk of ice, isn't it? In the book of Revelation, it tells us that there's going to be hail. Let me just read it. Well, no, I don't have it here. Revelation 16, 21. It's going to weigh about 100 pounds a stone. Now, could God have created, if he's going to do that in the book of Revelation, could he have not have done that to the enemies of Israel? They were killed by the hail. Now, hail weighing 1.7 pounds will kill a person. That hail is going to be falling about 100 miles an hour as it strikes the ground. That's a lot of force. I wouldn't want to be out in hail like that, would you? I don't think our umbrellas would protect us. But God did this as the enemy was fleeing. He could have done that right there in Gibeon, couldn't he? He could have. He could have just opened the heavens and rained down hail 
and there wouldn't have been a battle at all. He could have just destroyed all of them right there. He could have. But he wanted the Israelites to engage in the battle. Now, could God destroy our enemy without our ever fighting against him? He could. But he wants us to engage in the battle. He wants us to take the initiative. He wants us to be brave and courageous, just like he told Joshua, and be willing to stand up against our enemy that's more powerful than we are. As we continue this particular lesson, Verses 12 through 14 tells us about another great thing that God did. In fact, it's one of the greatest miracles that God ever performed in the scriptures. He made the sun stand still. He stopped the sun in the heavens. Well, the enemies have ridiculed this particular passage and they said oh the Bible is unreliable because you know this can't happen and the sun doesn't move it's the earth that moves right as it rotates on its axis and we we observe the sun and it looks like the sun is rising in the east and going down in the west but it really doesn't does it and so they've looked at that and they said oh you know the, the, the sun didn't stand still I don't know what God did. I don't know how He did it. But I believe He did it because the Bible tells us He did. He made the sun stand still. However, He needed to do that. He probably moved the earth in such a way that Israel was facing the sun for almost a full day. And the rotation of the earth was continuing as it always did from the beginning of creation. Don't say that God can't do that. Because you see, the God that made the heavens, the God that made the sun, the God that made the earth, made the sun stand still in observation there on that day. And he gave time enough for Israel to gather the enemy and not let them escape. Because if the sun had gone down, darkness would have come and the enemy could have hidden, could have gotten away. And so daylight stayed until they were able to win the complete battle. I might mention here today that this particular incident is recorded in history. The Chinese writings tell about a day that was extra long, twice as long as a normal day. In Peru, And the Aztecs 
Indians in Mexico both have in their recordings about a night that was twice as long. Now see, they worshipped the sun and they were waiting for the sun to come up and here it didn't come up for almost an equal amount of time of night. And that was in this part of the world. You see, the sun was shining over where Joshua was, but in this part of the world where we live, it was darkness twice as long. And then the Egyptians showing their temple records a day twice its natural length. And, by the way, it tells us that it was on Tuesday, July the 22nd, that this took place. And as you look at time, we're able to see that there's a day missing in time on that date. Why is there a day missing? Well, one day was twice as long, and so that day came up missing. Now, I know that there's people going to be saying, but preacher, this violates all the laws of nature. Does it? Let me ask you this. Who made nature? Who created the nature that this supposedly are the laws of? There's only the laws of God. Am I right? And God can do anything but fail. Anything. He created the sun and the moon. And the bottom line is that God intervened supernaturally to give Israel the victory. So we've seen scriptures about the Savior. We have also a lesson about the saints. Verses 16 through 27. I'm not going to take time to go and read all of these, but... Uh, we need to see the personal aspects of the battle. God gave them a great victory. We're not going to discount that at all. God gave Israel the victory, didn't he? But Israel engaged in the battle. We need to control the enemy in our lives. These five kings, after the battle tried to hide themselves in a cave. They tried to disappear in essence. They were afraid of Joshua. They were afraid of the Israelites. And so they hid. Well, they found them. And so Joshua said, just seal up the cave. Just, just put rocks in front of they did and then after everything was over Joshua came back and he took them out and he put them to death in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 it says therefore put to death what belongs to your worldly nature, sexual immorality, 
impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, one of the things that would have happened had he left these kings alive, they would have been influential in the people around them, and they would have led them back into idolatry. You see, these individuals had been condemned by God, not by Joshua, not by the Israelites, but by God himself. And he said the wickedness had reached maturity. It was time for them to be destroyed. Actually, I think it was 40 years past the time for them to be destroyed. <laughs> because I think Israel, had they gone in at Kadesh Barnea, they would have won the victory then and they would have put down the enemy at that day and time. Remember what the Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20? He said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh or in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How do we live? Do we live by faith? Do we live depending on God? You see, we need to fight daily the fight that God has given us. In James 4.17, it says... So, it is a sin for the person who knows to do what is good and doesn't do it. It's a sin not to do what God has told us to do. You see, a lot of times we, we think of sin as, as committing a sin, doing something that is against what God wants us to do. But when we fail to do what He's told us to do, that's sin as well, isn't it? Sin of omission. And we need to depend on the Lord to fight the battle, or let me say battles that God has for us to fight. Do you know, we don't fight just one battle, do we? It's a daily thing. And we can depend on Him. Let us stand and we'll have our invitation. And it may be that God is saying something to you today. You need to respond to what He's asking from you in your life. And whatever decision that He's laying on your heart, would you make that decision right now? Would you come and, and say yes to God? Would you do the things He asks you to do and not put off the things that are there before you, that are needed. This concludes Bocchetti Panama HBC weekly podcast. Hillside Baptist Chapel is located just north of Bajo Bocchetti. Just take Avenue Central towards Los Naranjos. Please call 6438-6541 for questions and our general directions. Thank you for listening. God bless.